0: Check out Schwans.com backslash yum for details. John Van Brappen drops back. Throws the matching pass upfield. Makey town feels gathers it in on the dead run and races all the way to score from Los Angeles. A 72 yard touchdown play. First down inside his own five from his own end zone. Sacked in a safety on Rudy. Tour. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg, a savage ram defense. They hand it to Steven, Great jump Cut 45. 40. Sees a hole, burst through it. Twenty, 20. steps. attack tackle runs left. 25. throw 40. to speed. 46-yard goal by number 39. Running back number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker. He's got a The is on he's got a first down to Stinton Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek Ciappolo and Michael Stewart.
1: Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek Ciappolo with my co-host and partner in crime, Michael Stewart, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back, Michael, Michael Stewart. And I, I bet you, I bet you he has lots of words to say about that defense from yesterday. Especially two interceptions from Jordan Fuller. Hmm. Music to our ears. Mike, how you doing?
2: Yes. Hey, I'm doing great, D.C. And folks, uh, man, just uh, excited about this uh, podcast for today. And obviously this week's a Thanksgiving. We, in spite of everything that's going on, got a lot to still be thankful for.
1: Absolutely happy Thanksgiving to everybody who is checking out our show. And, man, what a uh, a, a way to celebrate Turkey Day. 27-24 Rams win over Tampa Bay on the primetime. And those bone uniforms, we can discuss those bone uniforms all we want, but at least we know they can win in them things. (laughs) Lots of things, Mike. Oh, my gosh. Lots of news from last night in terms of things to look at. Lots of conversation to be had, but I guess first things first, what were your impressions of the game?
2: Well, you know, you were concerned, and I think we both were a little concerned with the back-and-forth cross-country trips, uh, another one to the East Coast, and so uh, I thought there would be a little bit more of a negative, but with the weather being somewhat uh, familiar and good, it, it seemed like it leveled the playing field a little bit, And, uh, man, I was uh, very pleased with just getting out of there with a win. Anytime you can do that, it's great. Yeah, I mean, I was was pretty pleased
1: overall with the performance. I was actually very happy with Jared Goff's performance. The winner reception there was was pretty bad. But overall, you know, that's going to happen. Human beings are human beings. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to have a hard time once in a while. But his overall performance in a game where the Rams threw the ball a ton. Good Lord, they threw the ball a ton. Over, I mean I'll take it. Yeah, the one interception was bad. The other one wasn't too bad. 3 touchdowns, 366 yards, 39 51 passing. I'll I'll take that. I mean, I don't know how you thought about his performance overall. Though I mean again, the one interception to me was pretty off. The other one wasn't wasn't nearly as bad as, as the first one, but what would you take from Jared Goff?
2: Well, uh, you know, I think it was uh, uh adequate win. I, I still think that there's just some throws he's not making that should be second nature at this point in time. Uh, we had a deep kind of square in on, on a route and it's like, just do it. And, and, and you know, as you know, that the one interception, especially off that screen, it's like, you never can throw the ball late inside when the running back, typically is screen outside. So I don't know if he was trying to throw it away and just threw it to the guy or, or what, but it just seems like things like that. Uh, he should be a little bit more advanced in, but overall, I mean, again, did he do anything to really kill us? No. Uh, but the thing is, you don't want to take wins as if, hey, there's not a win and we got a lot of positives. You also have to just kind of break down where we're actually still, you know, falling short. Not just throw that term out again. You know, seems a little bit of fool's goal, but. You know, a win is a win. The more you can get, but you want to see some improvement, and so I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about all of that. The only thing is it's kind of hard to say
1: fool's gold when they've beaten the NFC West leader, Seattle Seahawks, in one week, and the next they go down to Tampa Bay, who was coming in at 7-3, and, and beat them on the road. I'm not sure if that if that's an accurate thing to say fool's gold. Are are you, or are you saying it's fool's gold as, as they're not as good as we would like them to be? Which way are well, you trying to find this?
2: Yeah, it's more of that. They definitely showed that they show up and uh, Coach McVay and those guys are ready when we're playing you know, our NFC opponents. Uh, but when you're talking about playoff football and the things that you're going to need to do to win playoff games, that's more or less what I'm saying, a little bit of fool's gold.
1: So there's a lot to prove yet. I think the Rams, I mean, tell me if you think I'm wrong. From what I gathered last night, Tampa Bay came out with a game plan that was perfect for the Rams to pick apart in the passing game, playing a lot of zone, giving Jared Goff a lot of areas to hit as they're trying to hit. They're trying to blitz. They're trying to push up front and blitz, blitz, blitz. But the Rams' pass protection was pretty solid. Joe Noteboom, nice performance coming in for Whitworth. I felt, shall I say... At least moderately nervous, if not more nervous, with him taking over and did fine. But with that pressure, facing a zone, the Rams just kept going and going and going. And I'm wondering, Mike, if the reason why we didn't see that running game established against Tampa Bay was the Rams saw a hole and they kept, at least the first half and much the second half, they just kept going with what worked with what the Buccaneers gave them. And that was the passing game they just stuck in that zone for much of the game.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I'm on record that, you know, you have a game plan, and sometimes you go into it, you execute it on both sides of the ball-kicking game as you planned it out. There are other games when I say go with what's working, you know, regardless of what game plan is. And I know, you know, we got to get back to the run. Okay, what's the point? We can't run today. We'll throw it. Or, hey, man, we can't throw it today, let's run it. So you go with what's working. The object of any game, at the end of the day, you want to come out with more points than the opponent.
1: I mean, normally I think we'd be pretty critical, and, and the running game does concern me. There wasn't a whole lot of well, – there wasn't much in terms of holes in the game yesterday. But I can say this, Tampa Bay clearly had in their head they're going to make Jared Goff win this game in the air. And it just blows my mind that they did it in a way where they gave him the zone. So they're going to focus on shutting down the run. They're going to give him the zone. I I just don't see how that works. Jared Goff, there was a a throw in this game for for the couple of bad throws he made. There was a throw in the game where he rolled out to his right and delivered this perfect ball to Cooper Cup as he was going out of bounds. Bam, right there. Just, Just roll out to his right. On the dime. This is what I've been saying over the years of Jared Goff, in certain throws he makes, they're elite throws. He he is going to the sideline, intermediate routes, there really isn't anybody better in the NFL, in my opinion. There are some there are people who are close, but there's nobody better. And where he gets in trouble is in middle of the field, his interception directly in the middle of the field. Why was he just why is he going there? Why? I don't know. But where he was, Mike, I just felt like they just gave him. They, I don't know if they were banking on the pass rush getting to him. I don't know if they were banking on him, forcing him to make more mistakes across the field. He made a couple, but they didn't do enough to really change the game.
2: Yeah, true. And and what happens is you got to look at this thing from it's a whole team effort. Uh, it's maybe a different game if Tampa Bay's not turning the ball over as they were. And those errant throws or what happened with golf actually turned into major points or major swings and momentum. Yeah. But because the game was going kind of back and forth, hey, we got a turnover, you got a turnover, you got a turnover, we got a turnover. Okay, we're even on a turnover game. So in that sense, it ended up, Working, But absolutely, it looks like, no doubt, they were saying, well, we're going to make Jared Goff beat us, throwing the ball. We figure we can either get home on the rush or he's going to throw us the ball. But to your point, all these quarterback, coach, gurus, offensive coordinators, whatever you want to label them as and us as coaches, you always have to try to do what's in the best interest of what does your guy do best? Let's just do that. Yeah, conventional wisdom may say drop back quarterback, do this route, do that route, run these plays. Yeah, conventional wisdom, but I think we can easily see if you look just on the other side of the ball, Tom Brady's just throwing more picks than like really ever in life, and it's like, why is that? Is it just because of his age? No, this dude is now... They're forcing him to try to throw downfield. That's not his game. His game is the intermediate crossing route, in and out, short out, quick in. That's his. That's, that's where he makes his money, not throwing deep. But they're like, hey, man, we need you to throw a deep. Okay, throw a deep, and it's inconsistent on the play. So having said all that, I, I think uh, – and Colin Coward noted it on, on his show today – as far as uh, golf and rolling them out and sending guys in motion, those are the things that somewhat play to uh, golf's strengths. And it seems like McVeigh, at least last night, he was playing more to his strengths and trying to, instead of trying to just force something that's not working. I mean, we've
1: been preaching the running game all year. And beyond a shout out, we know the Rams cannot make a deep run in the playoffs without a running game. But it was evident. From the get-go, to mean that the Bucks were just not going to let them run the football last night. They were going to if they would, they were willing to sacrifice something, and that was the passing game in, in an attempt to really force Goff into mistakes. What blows my mind is Tampa Bay really didn't adjust all too much from the zone until later in the game. I mean, until much later, and at that point, the, the Rams had controlled much of the game, had controlled much of time of possession. They basically were able to keep the short passing game. Develop it really into a running game, and uh, I, I just kind of blows my mind that it took that long for Todd Bowles down there in Tampa to make the adjustments necessary to to really kind of slow down the Rams' defense, Rams offense. Uh, surprises me. Todd Bowles has been great this year for the for the Bucks overall, and that one kind of caught me off guard.
2: Yeah, well, again, but you got to think of it as well. Again, it's 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 both sides of the ball working with each other. If you keep giving You know, because there was a stretch there in the second half that basically, you know, for six possessions, the Rams were either three and out or in a punt or a turnover. For six possessions, it was just like they just were doing some things that were doing... uh, I just lost my train of thought, but they are just doing it's, some things that... The that random phone call, through for
1: a loop, man. <laughs> you, just, you know, the
2: phone random call. phone Bam. call, like, what is going on there, right? You would think I was at work today. But nevertheless, what happens is when you're playing defense, you may have something, you feel like you're stopping them, but if you have to keep going back out there, eventually that offense you're playing, they're going to get something on you. So, uh, but I think, you know, at the end of the day... Coach Bowles, and again, I'm not a uh, Coach Bowles homer, but he had them in a position where, you know, Tampa Bay had a chance to come down, and, you know, we forced them in to another interception, which, again, you know, this Fuller kid, say what you want. That dude attracts the ball. He makes plays, and uh, hey, man, I don't, I don't know if Taylor Rapp is going to be in the mix after after this, but anyway, that's something else.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think they have plans for him. I think having all three of those guys back in the lineup would make a huge, huge difference. I mean, Taylor Rapp was playing pretty well when he went down. Like I want, I don't want to. He he come along. Let's just say that he had finally adjusted to where he was, and he was definitely an asset in the defense. But you know, looking at the Rams' defense right now, they held Tom Brady and his opponent, I mean, Tom Brady, to 251 total yards. Felt forty-two yards rushing. Forty-two. Leonard Fournette two-point-four carry. Ronald Jones, the second, two-point-four carry. Tom Brady two interceptions, two hundred sixteen yards, and Tom Brady didn't look good. For as much as we like to talk about how he's the you know best in history, the Rams have made quarterback after quarterback this year look average. And Russell Wilson, they had him run for his life last week. So yes, he I, did. I mean, this defense is legit and I what I find amazing is on paper this defense is not as talented as last year but they're playing better as a unit and sometimes that's just what it means. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's uh, if it's daily or if it's the personnel or a little bit in between. Maybe you can tell me, but this defense is on
2: it. Well, I mean, I think as we talked about earlier, there has to be somebody else in the defensive front who can make a play outside of Aaron Donald. And now we're starting to see Brockers is coming on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another young man got his first sack last night. So you're starting to see, at least at the front, other guys making plays for, I think, the first time this season. Uh, When I look at the overall stats here, where do we go? Let me get down here to my defensive guys. Uh, From the defensive side, you see more than uh, Micah Kaiser, technically, you know, leading the pack. I mean, you got Brockers up there with six total, Troy Hill, you got Jalen Ramsey, a corner, John Johnson, obviously, safety, and then Micah Kaiser, whereas before it's like Micah Kaiser, 15 tackles, and then someone else down there, and then only other person may show up is uh, Aaron Donald with a sack or, or a hurry. And so you're seeing a number of these other guys, Darius Williams, uh, Sampson, uh, Sebastian Joseph Day, and different guys that are showing up now defensively. Plus, we're now uh, a good part of the ways in the system that you really didn't get to put in in the off season. You know, guys seem to be getting better each, each week at what they're doing and you can see the confidence and you can see the tighter coverage from the secondary. You can see guys again, getting home in the rush game now, uh, making the team play one handed, which is what they did uh, Tom Brady last night. So all that being said, it seems like defensively they're starting to understand what the coach and the system was designed to do. And, We all know that defense usually catches on a little bit further down the road than the offense, so I think all those things are coming into play, which is great as you're now heading down the stretch.
1: So my question then for you is where do the Rams go from here? They're now 7-3. They have the 49ers and the Cardinals the next two weeks. If they – make it out of the stretch nine and three. I think they're in a really good position to win the division. Can they afford to lose one in your view? Where are they in terms of the rest of the season schedule?
2: Yeah, I think the rest of the season to me, it's, it's, it's what it is. Uh, I think they need two more wins and just call it being in the playoffs. And then I think that's what you worry about. Just get in and then wherever you get in, you're in. And then you zero in. You know, what I want to see is continued improvement. Again, we're seeing the defense starting to pick it up a little bit more. Uh, Now we kind of want to see the offense pick it up. But I think what's going to be a continued Killes heel is this field goal kicker stuff. I mean, we got to get somebody in here. I mean, I'm glad the guy last night, but it's almost like we're hoping that we don't have to kick a game-winning field goal. We just got the guy there to kick off and just make PATs. Because, man, you know, we picked up a guy who got released from Tampa Bay. He got released for some reason, and now he's kicking for us. And then we miss another one, and it's like, okay. So that's what I think maybe Achilles' heel down the stretch is, If we're in one of these games where it's raining the field is sloppy and, man, we need this, you know, 42-yard field goal at the end to win it, that seems to be where, man, I'm not – I'm really nervous about. Uh,
1: The special teams just have me nervous as well. They cannot seem to find the right guy, the right fit there kicking-wise. And even Matt Gay with the kicks he made last night didn't exactly inspire confidence, but – I hope that changes. He does seem at least to be the most composed of the guys we've seen take the field this year for the Rams and a kicker. True.
2: He definitely, definitely looks like a a veteran kicker. You know, I've been there. I've done that. Uh, But, again, are these technically pressure kicks to make that, hey, man, this is the game we need to make it into the playoffs? That's a different pressure kick than, hey, man, I just got signed off the street this week. Are they expecting me to go 100%? "Ah, Probably not, but I'm way better than the guys they've had. So it's that kind of like, okay, that could be true. But we're going to need for sure when you get down to the thick of things, maybe seeding for playoffs or now we're in the playoffs, you want to be confident that if we got to go win a game nine to six and we need to get three field goals, we got to be able to get those.
1: And that's how it needs to happen. I mean, I like, I don't like our schedule in terms of what there is. I do like the fact that the Rams seem to be able to stand in with all of them. There, There's nobody on the schedule that scares me, and I think, okay, we can't beat them. Even the 49ers, so I think we're built to beat them. The Foreign's have enough problems right now that they're probably getting a good time. What I mean overall is there is no game I I think the Rams won't be in the rest of the way. They really honestly control much of their own destiny down the rest of the schedule. Much of it. Not all of it. The Saints kind of have things locked in for the number one seed. But they, if they can get a couple breaks, the Rams could be a team that's not 7-3, in terms of two games behind, that could be a team that's twelve and four at the end, and maybe just maybe locking in that number one seed. The Saints have the uh, the advantage right now, but you know Drew Brees is out, and Taysom Hill was okay; he was solid out there for the Saints. But the Saints have a habit of kind of at the end of seasons falling back a little bit the last couple of years, so I just. Nothing's over yet for the Rams. Knock on wood when I say that because they didn't go out this weekend and lay an A.
2: Yeah, but, you know, when you look at the schedule, you got Frisco home. You go to Arizona. Again, you're not going across country. You're going an hour or two across the state line, uh, if you will. You got New England at home. You got the Jets at home. Obviously, going to Seattle, different. They don't got the 12th man with the crowd. Uh, It's still on your Pacific Coast time zone. So, again, it's not like going back east. And then you play Arizona again at home. So, if you just look at that, you got one, two, three, four games at home, three, two on the road. But technically, it's not like you're going days away. So, in Arizona, good weather should be there. So, though you're playing away, kind of playing at home, and so when you just look at the schedule, man, we should be one, two, three, four, five, six. Man, we could be easily five and one down the stretch, four and two at the worst. So,
1: I and mean, that's that's twelve and four, eleven and five. You know what I mean? I mean, this is a team that I thought was nine and seven this year, and they're not going to be too, nine and seven. Man. I don't see them winning only, only two games I, the rest I said of the
2: year. Ten and six, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so as they're continuing to put the wins in. And I think we would agree it. You would, I'm going to say I would, I'm saying they're not really hitting on all cylinders. It looks like offensively, they're still trying to find their way. Obviously defense is starting to play more consistent and better. And so you want to see that and improve, but to say that we're hitting in all three phases of the game, there's no way you can say that with confidence.
1: I'm looking down the line for the Rams and thinking they're only going to get better if they can stay reasonably healthy. This still is a a very young team. I worry about the running game. I worry about the things that they need to improve on, but this defense keeps them in every game now. I mean, this is not the same defense that last year got ran out the field like three times. It's a much more they, – they adjust so much better, honestly. You know, look, I mean, look what they did to Tom Brady last night. Right. Look what they did. I do have a question about Tom Brady. You've, you've watched this guy play it for a gajillion years. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: And you know, he took some criticism online afterwards for not shaking Jared Goff's hands. As a matter of fact, avoiding Jared Goff and going right to the locker room. For years now, there's been this kind of undercurrent with Tom Brady about you know how he's not – Basically, a good loser. Okay, a sore of loser in some cases. Do you feel that's a fair approach or a fair thought, or do you think he's being uh, unjustly criticized?
2: Well, I, I just think it depends. You got to figure. Uh, I'm going to say for myself, I was a guy. If we lost, it's like man, or especially game we had or other team is chirping, yeah, I'm probably less likely to go over there and hey man, what's good, good you know, cause if you don't like losing, you just don't even want to be bothered. But that was consistent. You know, I did that win or lose. So uh because you're you're playing another team, I think with Tom Brady's stances, I think where he gets a knock, if they would have come back and won the game he more likely than not would have been out there and shaking hands and doing that kind of stuff. But because he's the guy who threw the pick at the end, it's like he can't stomach, well, I'm the guy that actually caused us to lose more or less. And I think in those situations, he's just like, man, I'm out of here. Let me go gather my thoughts because I know I'm going to have to answer these questions here in the next 15, 20 minutes or whatever it is after games. Uh, but my thing is, hey, man, you're sore loser, so what? Go go in the locker room, cry, baby. Next time we'll beat you worse. So, uh, you know, as sports, you would think that a guy that's had that long, definitely going to be a Hall of Famer. That At this point in time, when he was saying last year, almost as though he was doing the, as they say, retirement tour. Hey, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just trying to enjoy every second of the game. Well now you're not in the same boat if you were like that last year, you're a year older, but you're still not trying to enjoy it every so those kind of things make you get suspect on Tom Brady when one hand he's like, Hey man, all American guy. The next hand is like, No, you're not. So then which one is the true Tom Brady?
1: Probably both, man. And the guy I've never really viewed Tom Brady as an extremely classy guy. He's a competitor, and to me, he doesn't. He's never really taking taking losing um, to be the best thing. Now he's a phenomenal quarterback. I mean, he's won six Super Bowls, and to me, it seems really impossible that you would go to a completely different system, which is Tampa Bay system with Bruce Arians, and play as well as he has played this year. But uh, I mean, in terms of behavior. He's never been a graceful loser. And it's kind of ridiculous. The team. This wasn't a poorly played game. The Rams just had a good game plan against him throughout the night. is isn't like the Rams robbed him of victory or anything. He robbed himself. He made a, a horrifyingly bad interception to put a cap on this thing. I mean, he's off all night deep. He's been off all season going deep. So, you know, Brady's probably does deserve some criticism for his uh, poor sportsmanship last night.
2: Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, that last play, I mean, that should have been something. He should have been easily able to read. They were playing what looked like a two-deep zone. They dropped down right off the snap into what we call a rob. Mm -hmm. Safety short and a safety deep. But he still threw the ball as though he had a two deep zone, which if he did, the offside safety would have still been on the far side of the field. And the guy pushing up outside that was on the, the field, he threw the interception. Uh, that safety now has to play two receivers over the top. But he should have, as soon as he saw the one safety drop down in a hole, He should have known they're more like in a three deep now, but he threw it as though they were still playing cover two, which is like, that's why it was so overthrown because technically that safety wouldn't even been there to try to make that play on. And it just was right to him because he ended up being in the middle of the field. So I was more concerned with like, okay, Tom, you saw the safety drop down in the Rob. Like, why would you even throw it there? You know? So again, Anyone that knows a little bit about the game probably is going to ask him that same question. So that being the case, he's like, "Man, I'm gonna just get out of here, and I'll deal with this at some point in time." But you know, DC, you bring up a good point because they will say, "Oh, you know, Tom Brady. You know, he, Tom Brady was a six-round pick, and he grinded this and that, and he's just... and so he comes off at these times as just being this super humble." guy just wants to be one of those guys on the team but you've seen these different times when he's had outbursts on the sideline and just different things that he might say and then he'll backtrack and so I, I have to agree with you a little bit yeah he's maybe not as gracious as he may try to come off to be
1: I mean I don't really ever think he's been as gracious as he ever came off to be you want gracious Pay <laughs> Manning was gracious Yes. I mean, there have been some legendary, gracious quarterbacks, and, and you cannot tell me that Peyton Manning was not as competitive as Tom Brady was. The dude, for years, um, did a lot of the same things Tom, and Tom Brady did with his contract to try and help the team. He was legitimately dominant and was willing to do whatever it took for a team to win, including taking a back seat in, the, in that Denver Super Bowl run. So. I just don't see, if you're ever going to compare great quarterbacks, You know, I, n- I never saw Peyton Manning behave that way. I never saw Brett Favre, for all of his flaws, did not behave that way. I just, you know, when you're beaten, when you're beaten. Beating. Jared Goff outplayed him last night. Jared Goff was more accurate. Jared Goff made better decisions. Even with the two interceptions, one was a really bad one. He outplayed him, period. Was more accurate, led his team better. There's no better way for me to say it. So give the guy his credit, be a leader, and go shake his hand.
2: Right, right. Right, because on the other hand, you would go, well, I'm an elder statesman in the league. Let me go, you know, at least tell the young buck, good game, keep up the good work, because obviously Jared Goff will be playing a lot longer than Brady's going to play at this point in time so uh, but quick question man what do you think about this whole uh, tuck rule sleight of hand uh, whatever it's called because what do you think about the play when we basically had
1: uh, the, t- the caused fumble the fumble yeah it was a fumble fumble right it was a fumble, but then again, I'm on the same. I'm on the same side that when the Tuck originally happened in that Oakland game years and years ago, that that was a fumble too. Yeah, I've never, I've never ever gone away from that. I don't care if you're bringing the football back down or not. If the, if the if your arm isn't going forward to the point where, um, the actual arm is going forward, like in the fumble, he was taking his arm back. But it wasn't to the point where it was going forward yet. I just don't see how that's not a fumble. It was close, but you can't say that's a
2: tuck rule. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Anytime, you know, I'm listening to Mike Pereira and the other refs that come on and they're like, well, you know, this is the rule, this and that. My position is, yeah, if it's a pass play, your arm is always eventually going to be coming forward. You know what I mean? But if your arm gets hit, it's a fumble. You know, in this case, it was literally he gets hit and then he's trying to throw it. Yeah, it looks like it. slow motion. Yeah, eventually his arm is coming forward because he gets hit and he's still trying to do the, the motion that he had planned to do because it was going to be a pass play. I'm like, guys, that's a fumble. Dude, is, the ball's out of his hand. It got knocked out his hand. Whatever you want to say, the the grip or whatever, it's it's a fumble. Stop, stop with all this. Is is because you really the way that they're interpreting the rule to me, you will never really have a fumble if it's considered a pass play. That's my my thinking.
1: So wait, hold on, because considered a pass play, clarify please.
2: Well, my point is, if you're dropping back, and we know like, hey, you're dropping back to throw a pass, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, if you're dropping back, well, it's a pass play. So if someone gets by and like last night hits the ball out of your hand, but yet you're now still trying to act like you're throwing the ball, well, yeah, it's going to look like it's a pass. But it's not a pass because technically – the ball gets knocked out of your hand before your arm really is coming forward, even though your arm eventually comes forward. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But if the ball is coming forward in the act to pass the ball, even then I think it's a fumble until the ball itself is actually moving forward. Like if you are taking your arm back to throw but it's not coming forward yet it should not even be considered a forward pass and so they have to watch that very carefully exactly. when they're reviewing it but to me he his, his arm wasn't coming forward yet he was it was he was dropping back it was he has arm prepped cocked but it wasn't going anywhere yet so i don't right. it's a fumble
2: right so the ball gets that's what i'm saying the ball gets hits out of his hand and then it looks like oh well he's trying to throw it no he's not trying to throw it when it's he's... just his arm was in that position, Pop, mm-hmm. but it's not really coming forward. The ball got literally knocked out of his hand before he even really thought about throwing it. But then it looks like his arm is moving forward after the fact when you the ball just slips out your hand. So I'm like, come on, people. That's, that's a fumble all day long. So I was like, man, this is a touchdown. And then they like, oh, no, the ball's coming. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So,
1: I mean, honestly, you can't forget that quarterbacks are basically trained. The moment they feel contact, that they're trained to to move their arms forward. They're trained, yes. to, quote unquote, to fall through. They know what that means that they've been hit. You know, yes. so like, right. I don't understand how they did not. I, I just don't. <laughs> did they not? How did they not see that? It was close, but they reviewed it. Honestly, how did they not see it? I don't know. But it doesn't matter. They won. They won, right. but, you know. A couple more things before we get out of here. Yes. And that is Tory Holt, again, labeled a semifinalist for the uh, Hall of Fame. Um, that man is – we've made the case for him many times now on the show. I do not see how – they can keep him out for much longer. Now, I know there's a couple of really strong classes coming up, a couple of really strong, um, you know, I'm talking about first year classes coming up, including Peyton Manning's coming soon. But to remind everyone of how dominant Tory Holt was in his prime, and I think honestly, if his knee doesn't give him problems toward the end there, he's probably a probably place four or five more years, and it's not even. A question mark anymore? During Tory Holt's prime, like he had a stretch—literally nine years in a row. Nine, sorry, eight. My bad. Eight years in a row of a thousand or more. Eight years in a row, a thousand or more. And during those eight years, he didn't catch less than eighty-one passes. And that's not just the greatest show on turf years. Where this is post greatest show on turf. This is the beginning of the horrible years in 2007 and 2006, where you know he at that point he and Isaac Bruce were both you know especially Isaac Bruce as he was getting up there in his age at that point. This is not the same team offensively, and he was still putting up numbers. Eight straight years, seven years, Pro Bowl. I mean, that's during an era of some of the best receivers in the league. How how long is it going to take for him to get the Hall of Fame?
2: Yeah, man, it's it's kind of crazy because even when you look down the stats, you're talking about in those years where they were subpar, he was up over fifteen hundred yards. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like he had a thousand and one yards. No. 1696, 1635, 1363, 13 you know, 1372. So I mean, he's legitimately over a thousand yards. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, I think this is what is is it his fourth year?
1: Third year? Something like that.
2: Third or fourth? But and I know they have a time, and it's it's just a matter of time. You would think. But when you talk about whatever the Hall of Fame requirements or what they vote on, he meets all of them. He was a consummate teammate. He was there. He has the stats. He was a difference maker. He's a Pro Bowl. I mean, I don't know what more that you need except to get the votes. So it's just it. it you know, we just got to keep making sure. Uh, his name stays up there, and and the more hopefully media pressure, if you will, gets on some of these guys, uh, he gets in there. It's
1: it's interesting too because the main comparison for him is going to be now Reggie Wayne from you know from played in the same era, had some similar stats, probably had more catches. And, and and peak years: 106 catches in in 2012, 111 catches in 2010, 100 catches in 2009, 104 in 2007. But you know, during those years, he was the guy. Whereas Torrey Holt basically shared with Isaac Bruce for a lot of his career. And now yes. they'll say, "Well, Marvin Harrison," but Marvin Harrison kind of burned out not too long after, um, after. Reggie Wayne really kind of emerged. I'll take a look at Marvin Harrison real quick. Marvin Harrison, he he's down in 2008. And his key years were really okay. We know Marvin Harrison's career was, my gosh, I, I can't, looking at Marvin Harrison's career, how good was he? My gosh. 1999 and 2006, his peak years. Reggie Wayne, his peak years for the Colts. I might have to take that back, dude. No. See, Reggie Wayne takes over in 2007. He basically becomes so much of his biggest year to 2007 to 2012. Solid years leading up to 2004, 2005, 2006, but his best years were after basically Marvin kind of petered back, retired. That's his right. main competition as a receiver. But I mean... They're pretty comparable.
2: Well, they're comparable on only really two two situations. Uh, my thing is, you got to lean Tory Hope because you not only were sharing some of those peak years' greatest show on talk with another receiver, you also were sharing it with another running back. So you had a running game, not just passing. If we're truthful. Indy is known for the passing game because of Peyton Manning. Mm -hmm. And you had a guy like Peyton Manning all those years.
1: Oh, yeah. You know That's a great point. I know know where where you're going with this. this. Mm -hmm. You know where I'm going? Mm -hmm. So
2: you look at the Rams, you know, it became a little turnstile there at the quarterback position. Mm
1: -hmm. And you're
2: still putting up numbers in different offense and different schemes. But if you had a Kurt Warner for 10 or 12 years in a row. Uh, hey, man, I'm sure these dudes would have numbers that could never be broken, but that wasn't the case. You And you just hit the nail on the head. He had Kurt Warner,
1: Mark Bolger, who was a solid quarterback by the way, but he, he wasn't Peyton Manning. He'll tell you that himself, you know. Um, he, you know, Keith Null, <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick. Those are the guys who were playing who were throwing to Tory Holt. And, right, right. you know, but looking at the rest of this list, I think it's just overall, what makes things hard for Tory is not just that. But look at the list this year: Peyton Manning's on this li- on this list. This is his first year. Calvin Johnson. I'm not even going to argue that Calvin Johnson is right. A better was a better receiver. Period. I get that. Um, Charles Woodson on this list, Hall of Famer. I mean, how how would he not be? He was amazing as a, as a player. Even though, even though he went to Michigan, Patrick Willis, he didn't play very long, but he, during his great during his career, he was outstanding, won the best. Jared Allen, yeah. um, Steve Tasker's on the list as, as a special teamer. Um, I, that's a different debate, I think, man. In right, terms of right. my, that's a different debate. Alan Faneca, Zach Thomas. Sam Mills is still ah. on the list. I, I I'm sure you have thoughts on Mills, um, Reggie Wayne, Richard Seymour, and then there's Torrey Holt. That's the list, the top twelve per Adam Rank. Who happened? You know Adam Rank from NFL.com. That's where he ranks the current ones. That are eligible. also Darren Woodson, Cornelius Bennett. You remember him, Leroy sure. Butler. Remember him as well. Rodney Harrison. Eric Allen, John Lynch, Willie Anderson, Rondé Barber, Fred Taylor, Clay Matthews, and Clay Matthews, in my view, should be higher on this list. I don't know how he. Clay Matthews was a very, very good linebacker. Um, Tony Baselli played only six years. I wonder how you. I wonder how you feel about that. Heinz Ward and Bryant Young. That's his top twenty-five. That's how he ranks the semifinalists. When you when you're listening to those names, how do you feel about them? I mean, where would you put Tory in that list?
2: Yeah, again, now it becomes more dicey because only so many guys can get in uh, each year, right? Mm -hmm. So when you look at the list in totality, yeah, he's probably not going to get in this year. It's a strong class. It's a very strong class. But, you know, are they not going to put Peyton Manning in? No, he's in. Are they not going to put... Uh uh who, who, you said a, it's a it's a bunch of guys on there. Uh the offensive linemen. Didn't you say Baseli was on there?
1: Yeah, and he's been there for a while, but six years. He only played six years. And that's that would be my argument. He, only, he didn't play long enough. That would be the argument for Patrick Willis, too. But Patrick Willis is so dominant that was besides that dominant? That would be my yes, question. Yes, he was. I mean, he yeah. was dominant, but was he that dominant to only to only to earn a Hall of Famer spot after only 6 years in the NFL?
2: Right, and that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, how do you then again uh pick these guys based on on that list because you have uh yeah, there's a, there's a lot of guys that that could be worthy and I don't know how you, you know, it, it would be interesting to see again what the you know, the criteria and how these guys come about deciding on who actually they choose, but there are certain guys that are just technically shoe-ins and then there are other guys that like a Tory Holt has proven numbers, but now if you put him up against uh, a Rod Woodson or or even maybe uh, the DB from Pittsburgh, so many years ended up last year's Rod Woodson, mm-hmm. you could say he's worthy to go in. You know, because he hasn't been in on a couple of these times. So yeah, man, it just starts getting dicey. You know, you you know Calvin Johnson, he's in. Mm Hmm. And this will. What what,
1: I think. What actually helps Reggie Wayne, even though I don't think Reggie Wayne deserves to get in before Tori Holt, but Reggie Wayne is. It would make a lot of sense for him to go in the same year Peyton Manning goes in.
2: Exactly. So so, it's like, is that how he's going to get in? I think so.
1: Probably, mean knock two birds out of one stone. And basically, you have the two go in together. Most writers, because this is all about the writers right now. I mean, they, they tend to have this kind of flair for the dramatic that isn't necessarily deserving. He's deserving a hall of fame, but you know, tory has been waiting a while. More, we're going to talk about this more. I want to break down this list as we get closer and closer to when they could become finalists and see yes. where you'd rank. I want to go. Oh, so let's do that next. Let's do that in the preview show next show. Let's let's pick this up and let's actually yeah. rank let's let's discuss to, uh, Adam ranks ranking okay and where would we rank these guys in terms of you know what would be your top 15 now because they break them down from 25 down to 15 who is your top 15 in terms of some, in terms of your finalists who are going to be your finalists and from there i guess come closer we'll we'll, we'll talk more about who we think should actually get in okay it's, Mike, it's time for us to go man time for us yeah, to go
2: man, this was a good one a good one any closing thoughts no, uh man, just looking down the stretch, man. I'm I'm now looking at the schedule. I'm looking at us going four and six down the stretch and, and let's get better and get get up in these. Four and six. And
1: you mean four work. and two? I mean four and two. Good oh, oh, and great. <laughs> My 20 math is off, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just wanna put this out as well. I I admit when I'm wrong. In our show in our previous show I, I had the Rams losing this one. Um, for the very same reasons they won. I was concerned about being able to stop that Tampa Bay front seven. I was concerned about um, Joe Nopum. And and we got to give pride. To me, game ball goes to Joe Nopum. He held the line at left tackle, gave Jared Goff just enough time. And I love it when I'm wrong in situations like this. I don't ever take pride in being right or wrong. Okay, I am happy if the Rams go out of there and they won, and uh, it was a good game plan by the Rams in the sense they were able to see the see what Tampa was going to give them, and they took advantage of it. So there we go. There's my my closing thoughts, folks. You can find us on Twitter at Talk Rams. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul and Mike One Duke Twenty Three. Be paying attention. I know your drillers a certain place in, right? Well, the we're way. just
2: conditioning, and depending on what these latest uh, rules that are coming down, we'll find out after the break next Monday how much further we'll be going or not going.
1: It better be going. I mean, these kids. There we go. I mean, these kids have been waiting long enough. All right, folks. Until midweek for the 49ers Maybe dramatic back about that 49ers. Yeah. we're out of here. Take care.
2: We're out of here.